0: Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence, Ask the Experts, a live bi-weekly show to help you know what to do and what's new in digital marketing for 2021 and beyond. Ask questions, suggest topics, and grow faster with actionable insights and proven strategies from the world's leading experts. everybody. Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence, Ask the Experts. I'm Marissa Morgan, your show host and business development manager at Engage. On behalf of myself and the team at Engage, I want to welcome you to our bi-weekly show. Today's topic, how to get the data you need from your CRM in order to gain valuable growth management metrics and increase sales, which is what everybody wants, especially as we head into this digital marketing era. Be sure to stick around. We have an incredible guest joining us today from Roseville, California. And after our talk, I will be sharing our Engage Digital Marketing News of the Week. And you don't want to miss this tip I'm going to share. It's a tip that will make you all very happy if, like me, you can't stand when people send you auto-generated spam emails. So stay tuned for our digital marketing news of the week. Before we get started, I want to share that all of today's valuable information is brought to you by Engage. I think that we'll all agree that in today's digital marketing world that is super competitive, the key differentiator for all businesses is customer experience, right? happy customers buy more, they convert faster, they return less, and they remain loyal. So how do you provide your customers with the best possible customer experience? What you do is you make it convenient for them to communicate with you. And you can do that by engaging with customers where they are, on your website or through social media. And then you also want to build trust. Give customers a reason to trust you and your business. Engage can help you do that by personalizing your engagement and product recommendations. Engage is an opportunity for you to use 25-plus smart engagement tools focused entirely on optimizing your customer experience. With Engage, you and your team can communicate with prospects where they are, when they prefer, and in context across multiple channels making it convenient. And then, of course, with Engage, you can build trust by personalizing conversations and product recommendations to convey the belief that you understand and care about your customers. That's what it's all about. So I want to invite you to check out Engage when our show is over, and that is going to be N-G-A-G-G-E dot I will pop up our, our um, website for you here up on the screen. At the end of the show, check out Engage.com. We have over 25 plus conversational sales marketing support tools to help you optimize the customer experience, which then will lead to more sales. So check that out. Okay. Without further ado, it is now time for me to introduce our wonderful guest who is visiting us today all the way from Roseville, California, Mr. Patrick Ryan, welcome to the show, Patrick. Now, Patrick is the founder and top sales management coach at Eureka Performance Training, a company that coaches organizations and leads to increased sales. Patrick got his start in sales very early in life when during college he began working for a cable company in outside sales and that was back when he was only working straight commission door to door how many of you remember those days right it was during this experience that he started formulating a really deep understanding of the sales process and also the need to utilize sales forecasting tools and to stay motivated and also focus on the art of listening during his customer interactions. Well, fast forward to today, and after many successful years working in real estate as well, Patrick is now a sales management coach that has developed a program called Solutions to the Top 4 Sins of a Salesperson. And he teaches his very impressive and successful sales techniques to clients all over the United States. There's more. He loves to talk sales results and especially loves seeing sales growth in the organizations he coaches. For companies that work with Patrick, the proof is in the pudding, with results reaching up to 258% in increased annual sales growth. And that is all thanks to Patrick's coaching and sales techniques. So when it comes to improving sales, Patrick is your man, and he's here today to teach you how to utilize your CRM for more than just tracking your sales. He's going to teach us how to use our CRM as a sales tool, as a sales management tool, and he's also going to talk about sales forecasting, how the CRM is a sales forecasting tool, and he's going to teach us what a predictive sales index is. So join us in the conversation. We are a global show. Let us know where you're tuning in from today. And if you have any questions during our show for Patrick, make sure you drop them also in the comment section so Patrick can have a chance to answer them and make this experience more personal and interactive for you. Well, Patrick, welcome to our show. How'd you like that for an introduction?
1: Well, uh, very generous, Marissa. I appreciate all the great uh, words and the kudos um i'm i'm so happy to be here and i'm uh very excited about perhaps helping some of the listeners answer some questions that they may have
0: well i i'm not sure if it's an idea that's happening that's very large above your head i see a big light bulb or if that's some amazing branding happening behind you
1: (laughs) yeah this is my this is my logo it's hard to see behind my chair but you can see the smaller ones
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit more about the path that led you to found Eureka Performance Training. And tell us a little more in detail what your company does for, would you say, small to medium-sized businesses?
1: Yes, small to medium-sized businesses. Um, Okay, so how did I I come about the idea of founding Eureka Performance Training? Well, uh, after many, many years, decades actually in sales, one of the things I knew that I was missing that was the fact that I seemed to be a very good sales leader, in fact, I'm probably a much better sales leader than a salesperson. Although I had a lot of sales managers over the years, most, most of the other salespeople would come to me and ask me for advice on how to whatever what, what, how to take care of a customer problem or overcome an objection, whatever the questions were. So I knew early on in my career that I could be a very good sales manager. And about eight years ago, I was just finishing up a launch of some products into Australia when I was approached by a friend of mine who owns a sales coaching team. And um, he he works directly under a gentleman named Jack Daly. I understood and I knew Jack Daly's uh, stuff, you might call it. And I was very familiar with it. So he asked me to come aboard as one of his outside really outsource sales managers. And when I did, I quickly learned that most of these clients that he was bringing me really needed some help much more in-depth than just just putting together a sales playbook, which is what Jack and Dan were were really focused on, is building a sales playbook, which by the way is very important for any organization. Um, However, there was so much more that needed to be addressed that the most of the business owners really didn't have in their budget because they only budgeted X number of dollars and x number of time to build the, the playbook. So I formulated Eureka Performance Training to have a more in-depth and more engaging relationship with the clients and therefore, of course, more success.
0: Well, speaking of clients, one of the questions we like to ask our guest is, what is the most common problem that your clients specifically are coming to you to help them solve? Because oftentimes that answer is similar across the board, but it helps us gauge what your clients need help with. And Mm -hmm. it could be the same thing that someone watching today needs help with as well. So share with us what your clients primarily are asking for you to help them solve. What problem?
1: That's, that's a great question, Marissa, you know, it really just boils down to sales revenues. Um, One of the things uh, many, many business owners have gone to business school. And when you go to college and you go to business school, you've got management, you've got HR, they teach you accounting and finance, they teach you uh, marketing. And, but there's very little touching on sales. There's very little classes on sales. Um, and, there's, and in fact, I have heard in the last couple of years, a couple of universities here in the United States who have developed an actual sales and sales management degree. And that's really one of the biggest things missing from our education system here in the United States. And in fact, I'm guessing worldwide, I just haven't done enough research or taken the time to do the research. And if we're in business, aren't revenues one of the number one thing we want to go after?
0: You would think, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you would think, but they don't teach you how to go after and how to get revenue and how to train and develop a sales team, but they teach you how to follow the finances and put in an accounting and file your taxes, but they don't teach you how to get the revenue. And so really that's that's the core of what I do. But to getting back and focus a little bit more on your question about what are some of the big problems that they, that they want me to solve. Gosh, one of the biggest ones is, and I'll back up a little bit. And if we look at some of the history of any company, even IBM, for that matter, oftentimes again, small to medium sized businesses, is that that person who's the CEO, president of the company also wears the sales hat And, and he or she is oftentimes maintaining all those sales relationships. And in some cases, even going out for more, whether it's through referrals or through word of mouth or just hearing news on the television, they're going after more business. Meanwhile, they're trying to run their company and they want to scale, they want to grow. And they don't know where to start when it comes to building a sales team. And quite frankly, a lot of them don't have enough time. What they typically have experienced by time I get called in is they've hired anywhere from two to maybe 20 salespeople and most of the salespeople have failed. And I believe one of the reasons, well, there's several reasons for it. But I believe one of the big reasons is that most companies are taking the same approach to hiring a salesperson as they do to hire an administrator or an accounting or a service tech. They look for qualifications and history and they bring them in. And I can tell you from experience, most salespeople don't have great habits built up. And so it's there where they're failing without the habits, without things being put in place. It's it, it becomes a very disjointed uh, department and they just don't know where to start. They don't know where to begin. And OK, so how do we hire a salesperson? if We don't hire them based on sp- specifically their last accomplishments. Mm
0: hmm. You would think that is exactly the bar that is used or set to hire Mm -hmm. salespeople because if they've performed in the past, Mm -hmm. regardless of the industry, you would expect for them to perform for you. But I guess we can all agree that just, I mean, things do differ sometimes in industry depending on the product, maybe even the price point of a product, right? Mm -hmm. We all know that depending on the price point of a product, there's different numbers or levels of touches that need to happen before someone can commit, depending on the risk, right? So perhaps the salesperson is well-versed in very inexpensive products, right? That Mm. are low risk and and their sales are so great because of that. But then they join a company where maybe it's a higher priced product, where the sales strategy has to be more in depth. And then maybe they aren't so successful because they don't understand the difference there. So that's Mm -hmm. an interesting point that you've made.
1: Do you.
0: do you, oh thank you. Do you find it's that light bulb above your head, right? Yes. Do, do you find that this issue um you know the revenue question and you know the the sales training in terms of going beyond just sales training and and mm-hmm. and, and getting into how to get revenue. Do you find mm-hmm. that that is the question all of your clients are asking for you to solve, you know, regardless of the industry they're in or the geography or company size? Do you feel like that's a common problem?
1: Um, well, let's, let's quickly go to the last words. The last question you asked about company size. Um, mm-hmm. Most companies that reach that 25 $30 million or more, oftentimes have enough revenue to hire a hired gun, a salesperson or a sales manager who can come in and build the systems and processes and set up their CRM and do the training and understands how to develop salespeople. And realistically what i see is the companies between that anywhere from one or two million to about 20 million who really struggle in building that sales team and uh, that's one of the biggest that's one of the biggest challenges that they ask me to overtake so that's uh, how they've gotten there some of them have taken maybe five or ten years hiring salespeople and looking for that natural born salesperson right? Who can mm-hmm. just come in and just knock it out of the park? But those natural-born salespeople probably make up less than five percent of all salespeople. So that, of course, then that brings up the question: Well, how do you how do you find a good salesperson with them not being a natural-born salesperson? Well, you can train them. They have to have a particular type of personality. One, of course, that fits not just your product but also your customer.
0: Well, training them is what you specialize in with Eureka, um, Mm -hmm. your training company. And today we're here to learn from you how to better utilize our CRM and how to use it as both a sales tool Mm -hmm. and a sales management tool in order for companies to better grow their business, to scale, to experience and improve their revenue. Mm -hmm. So one thing that you and I spoke about before you know, deciding to do a show together was your experience that when you engage with your clients, when you dive into their sales processes, you often find that companies, you know, even small to midsize are either missing a CRM altogether, not using one, or they're not using their CRM to its full potential. Is is that right? Is that fair to say?
1: Uh, well, that's exactly that's exactly right, Marissa. Yeah. Um, we, I see so many different variations of a CRM. Oftentimes, they are connected to the ERP, the operating system that the company is utilizing. Unfortunately, the ERP-based CRMs, so ERP, Customer Relationship Management Programs, are oftentimes missing a, a, a link, a piece that's huge when it comes to sales as a sales tool, and that is what do we do before the contract is signed or before that PO arrives? What are the activities that the salespeople are doing? And in fact, that kind of gives that kind of even backs up a little bit further to, do you have a sales process? There's realistically, there's seven steps to a sale. Are you following each of those steps through your CRM? Okay. The purpose of that from a, well, Let me go back to and and rephrase. Can you rephrase the question one more time, Marissa? Because I think I'm on track. I just want to make sure I answer the question.
0: No. So I think really, and if you're just tuning in, welcome to Digital Marketing, Ask the Experts. I'm your host, Marissa Morgan. Today joining us is Patrick Ryan, who has founded Eureka Performance Training. And it's a company that has excelled in helping to get out there and train companies' sales teams on how to obviously increase sales, but one of the things that Patrick has discovered is that many companies are not using a CRM, or if they are using a CRM, they're not using it to its full potential. And what we're learning today, and I'm actually going to pop this on the screen, Patrick, just to remind everybody who's watching what we're going to go over. So we've got the CRM, which is your customer relationship management tool or hub. And According to you, Patrick, we can use this CRM to not only track our sales as they happen, right? Mm-hmm. But we can use this as a, as a sales tool, as a sales management tool, and as a sales forecasting tool. So let's start, you know, our, our dive into this. Um again with you letting us know when, when one of your clients comes to you and they are using a CRM, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they're not using it to the full potential. What does that mean? What are they using the CRM for on a basic level?
1: Okay, that's a great question. Marissa. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, what I basically see and again, these are the ones, the few that are actually using a CRM. They use it more of a just like that's titled a customer relationship management tool where, hey, we've got a customer. So they punch it, I make a sale. All right, so I punch this customer into the CRM so that it can go through the service delivery process. It can go through maybe a marketing process or an outreach drip campaign. Um, and so now we've got a customer and now we're going to manage that relationship with this with this CRM. That's perfect. But what we're missing is, as I mentioned just a little bit earlier, we're missing that link between, OK, what happens when I pick up the phone as a salesperson and call a target? Hey, is this Mar- Marissa, the CEO of XYZ company? Mm-hmm. What do we say? What do we do there? And how do I punch this into the CRM to record that activity so that I can then track how many times I've touched this person or tried to it, made attempts at calling them? I can track my activities within that CRM as the salesperson.
0: So what's interesting is coming from our engage platform, which is all about customer optimization experience, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The first thing I thought about when you just said, okay, when I'm calling somebody, Marissa at XYZ, what right. do I say? Right away, my thought is, well, in order to optimize the experience, right, you want to have information ready to go, whether it's on me, right, Patrick?
1: That's right. Marissa,
0: I see you're a huge Dodgers fan. Like, look how they just won the game last weekend. Right. Cause then I'm like, yeah, I'm all ears, Patrick. How are <laughs> you? You know, what are we talking about today? I love the Dodgers. So it's like making a connection, but you're also saying, so you can save information in your CRM that can mm-hmm. allow you to create a personalized experience when you do reach out for that sales call. True. Right. That's one example. I'm thinking of how that mm-hmm. CRM is going to be helpful, but also, you're saying that you can not only use a CRM to just track a sale or plug a customer in, but you can use a CRM to truly track every time you've touched um, that customer or that prospect client. And That's by right. tracking that, if I'm, I want to make sure I'm getting you right, by tracking mm-hmm. that will lead to a higher success rate, a faster conversion rate, because, mm-hmm. because why? Because you can track what's working and what's not like, how does that help? Tracking.
1: Well, well, so you asked about three questions there. That's great. So let's just, <laughs> let's just go back to, all oh, right, I'm, 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 I'm calling Marissa. I'm trying to get a hold of her. I'm leaving messages. I'm sending out emails. Maybe I'm inviting you via LinkedIn or some other social platform. Uh, maybe I'm asking friends. Hey, do you, does anybody know Marissa who can give me a, a personal introduction? Well, every one of those steps you want to record into your CRM. You want to show that they're basically activities that you're moving forward to get that, to get in, first of all, in front of Marissa and eventually have a conversation mar- with Marissa. So while I'm following the pro, these are prospecting steps, by the way, while I'm following these prospecting steps and let's say we finally do meet, well, now I can put more information into that CRM OK, so what is Marissa like? What what type of leader is she? Um, you know, what what are some of the things that she enjoys outside work? What what is her biggest concerns with her business that my, my product might be able to resolve? Mm. Oftentimes in business to business sales, it's not just one meeting. It's two or three or four, maybe five. Sometimes it takes a year. I was working with a company uh, based out of um, Houston, Texas, a few years back, and they had a division down in Atlanta and I, I spoke with one of their salespeople and this is one of their top guys. And he says, it took me 14 years to finally get this PO out of this customer. Now, had he been tracking, because by the way, they were not tracking any of their customer activities, had he been tracking those, those activities and not just putting them down in a piece of paper or in a notebook, but having them tracking where he's got everything that he's learned about that customer in the CRM. I asked him very simply, let's just say his name was John. Cause quite frankly, I don't remember, but I asked him quite frankly, well, John, had you been tracking all those activities and really maintaining and developing that relationship other than maybe a pop by every three or four months, maybe you would have gotten the business in six years instead of 12. He laughed and he said, well, we're never going to know that. I said, well, you're absolutely right. However, when we use this tool to our advantage, we, come, we become more efficient and more effective.
0: Absolutely. So my takeaway from the example you just shared is the CRM is obviously a tool to help you maintain your contact lists right, mm-hmm. of your customers, your prospects, right. companies you're working with. Mm-hmm. That's a given, and that is how many companies are using their CRM. But one of the things that you help your clients with is actually using the capabilities of a CRM to turn the CRM itself into a sales tool. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways we can do that is by plugging in all of the information that is involved in our contact, right? Whether it's all the times we're touching a client or like you said, making personal notes. When is their birthday? What's their favorite sports team, right? Maybe an article pops across your desk about the LA Dodgers and you know, I'm a fan and you're like, Hey, (laughs) I haven't talked to Marissa in a while, but I'm really trying to close this deal. Let me email her this article about the Dodgers and and just get myself on her brain and, and kind of develop that personal relationship a little more so that is one of the first ways then Mm -hmm. i see that we can use the crm as a sales tool is there another way that we can use the crm as a sales tool
1: well absolutely one of the best things you can do is use the calendar that the crm provides where you can keep track of first of all your appointments in the future but secondly you can put into either the tasks or into the calendar things that you wanna follow up with. So Marissa, I call you, I leave you a message, you finally call back, we have a conversation and you say to me, you know, Patrick, um, January of next year would be a great time to revisit this. Okay.
0: Oh I'm making you wait.
1: <laughs> yes, you are making me January wait.
0: January of next year.
1: <laughs> so I'm gonna put into my tickler file to follow up with you perhaps every two months and then maybe a little bit quicker towards the end of this year. And then of course, uh, uh, of course, set some sort of meeting date that we can then follow up again then try to try to reel in the sale okay so there's there's tasks i have i have a lot of my team members using the tasks in the crm which basically is activity hey call marissa on this date so i might put in the sequence of when i'm going to call you to make sure that i continue to develop that relationship and continue to have you hear my name and what i do So it becomes easier. And also we don't, we don't, nothing drops through our cracks of our fingers. We've got our fingers nice and tight and we're holding on to every possibility of every sale so we don't miss something because when we, when we work as hard as we do to finally get a hold of a prospect, finally get in front of a prospect and finally have that conversation and start learning about their needs. Well, you don't want to give up all that information. You don't want to, you don't want to have it fall through the cracks. You want to be able to jump on it as soon as, as soon as it's ready.
0: It sounds like what you don't want to do is finally get that opportunity and choke because <laughs> right you you had all this information and you never you never organized it in a way or never looked at it in a way to help you prepare as best you can to essentially present your opportunity and close mm-hmm. the deal right
1: Yes yes Well Absolutely. one
0: one of the things that you're here to help us understand is using the CRM obviously as a tool like we talked about to help you know, organize your information, track your sales, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What's the difference I have that we're going to talk about it as a sales tool, which is pretty much, I think what we just did, but what's a sales management tool? How do you make, you know, differentiate between a sales tool versus a sales management tool?
1: Well, that's a great question, Marissa. And there is a little bit of a gray area in there as well. And the gray area really, really centers around training and understanding what's working and what's not working so as an example as a sales manager i'm going to be tracking all the activities that the sales team is performing and i'm also going to understand what they're doing what what we call leading indicators a leading indicator is an indicator or an activity that leads us to what's called a lagging indicator and the lagging indicators are really the revenues and the sales but I'll also put some ratios in there. For instance, I might have a team of, let's say, five salespeople, who are making calls, and they're and they're they're going through the prospecting steps. Well, we may find that one of the salespeople just isn't getting, getting a hold of plenty of people, but they're not getting that 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 meeting. They're not setting the appointment so i might work with just that individual salesperson to help them communicate the importance of meeting with him or her so that they can get that appointment we might find somebody who's getting a lot of appointments a lot of meetings that simply aren't getting any deals they aren't they aren't able to get the opportunity started or they aren't able to finish the opportunity so now they may need help in the communicating once that opportunity is put into the system, and whether a bid is going out or whether it's a, a package or a program they're putting together for that client. So it's a training tool from a sense that we can we can see specifically the holes in the salesperson's own ship, where we can where we can come in and do some training, some direct training with that particular hole in their ship. For instance, again, setting the appointment or perhaps perhaps closing the deal, whatever that may be, so we can improve those salespeople. Remember, not everybody's a natural born salesperson.
0: This is interesting. So my takeaway from what you just shared is, is now we are using the CRM as a sales tool. How we can use it as a sales management tool is to use the information in a CRM and actually use the metrics that are available. Engage Mm -hmm. has over a hundred different metrics that you can use within the platform, right? And be able to see exactly how long your agents are on calls, whether the calls are being resolved or Mm -hmm. whether the salespeople who are setting meetings are actually closing deals in those meetings or whether they're just dancing around all these meetings all day with nothing closing. So (laughs) you can essentially, this is amazing. So you can use the metrics and, all the data in your CRM to actually pinpoint specific individuals in your in your team that mm-hmm. actually need more training or help or maybe help pivoting, right? Because what they're doing is right. not working.
1: Right. Interesting.
0: Right. So using it as a sales tool to optimize your customer experience by... Mm-hmm. Plugging in all the information you can into your CRM, making notes of every time you touch your customer, Mm -hmm. every time you call them, what they enjoy doing in work and outside of work, what kind of leader they are. That's how you can help to use your CRM as a sales tool, but then you can use the metrics in a CRM to actually manage your team and see where your team is falling short.
1: That's very well
0: summarized, I must say, Marissa. Home yeah. run, go yeah. Dodgers. I don't know why the <laughs> Dodgers even came into the conversation earlier, probably because I moved to Minnesota from LA. Interesting. And then you also mentioned using the calendar feature and the task you know, list option to make sure yep. that you're always staying on track with your mm-hmm. sales strategy and the people you need to follow up with as well.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. Now, if you do have a long sales cycle, one of the other great uh, tools, aspects of the CRM is the opportunity stages and this is also another area i find a lot of companies kind of miss the boat on um you have let's just say you have a like a construction business or a business in which you have to provide quotes where you where you get an order in you have to quote it maybe you have to do some research and and get some other vendor pricing well you might have a quote stage you might have a presentation stage you might have a follow-up stage you might have a um, a secondary quoting stage it really just depends, but that's it, part of your sales process. This is one way that, again, this is where the gray area is between a sales tool and a sales management tool. It helps the salesperson be able to track where they're at with each sale they have in their pipeline, and it helps the sales management, or sometimes most, or most of the time, the owner of the company, be able to track what's in the pipeline as well. And this is also where a lot of A lot of sales leaders or business leaders also kind of miss the boat a little bit because they Mm -hmm. oftentimes use that pipeline that that sales opportunity pipeline to do some predictive sales of the future. And they they'll miss the boat just a just a little bit because that's not as as uh, what's the right word. It's not as predictable or as accurate as really a predictive sales index.
0: Uh-huh. It's like you're reading my mind, which brings me to my next point. I'm going to put our our, um, our slide up for those of uh, those of us in the audience that are just joining us. So we're talking about the CRM and how we're using it not only as a sales tool, also as a sales management tool, but truly a sales forecasting tool as well. Now, Patrick, you you brought something very unique. To the table when we talked about doing a show together.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that is a term that you've actually truly coined yourself, which is this predictive sales uh, index. Yes. So help us understand exactly what a predictive sales index is. And then could you maybe give us an example of, you know, a scenario where you've used that or, or even how you came up with this unique Term.
1: Sure. Why don't we why don't we go with your last question? I like first. how
0: I ask you three questions at once. It's just because <laughs> there's so much I want to know. And we only have like 35, 40 minutes together. So let's start, yes, with the first question.
1: So the first question, how did I come <laughs> up with this? Well, again, I did go to I did I did go to business school. And one of the things that I learned was economics, micro and macroeconomics, just the just the low level stuff. I didn't want to become an economist. Um, you mentioned earlier that I started my sales career knocking on doors selling cable television where I went to college. And that is, that is, in fact, what I did. That was my first real sales job, and it was 100% commission. Um, I would go out like any salesperson and knock on doors and work hard and, of course, you know, show my wares and try to talk somebody into uh, purchasing cable television. And like most salespeople, after a month or two, I had a two or three days of really low performance and I developed a poor attitude, quite frankly. And I woke up the next morning, realizing that, you know, my poor attitude is not going to win over friends and and influence enemies. Right? Right. So (laughs) I went out that day and I decided I got to change something. And I knew again that there are particular buying habits from all, from, from all industries with all walks of life, no matter what country you're in the economics of purchasing say that buyers have specific buying uh what's it right called habits They, they they have specific buying habits so i'm thinking well, what the heck is a buying habit with with regards to cable television right i mean i'm just a college student i didn't know at the time so i figured i would take just the smallest activity that i knew if i didn't do this activity i'd make no sales and that was knocking on the door so when i knocked on a door i would put a little scratch mark on a piece of paper on this clipboard that I carried with me. And after a period of time, I thought, you know, I wonder how much money I make per door I knock on. And so I started calculating that. And so one day it might be 63 cents and the next day it might be $1.10. But once I started calculating more information that I got off of just my little scratch paper, I started realizing that every door I knocked on, I would earn 84 cents. No matter if anybody answered the door or not. It just rang true. Some days I'd make 25 cents a door and some days I'd make a hundred dollar and thirty-five cents a door. It made no difference. So my attitude as a salesperson totally changed. And now I'm going, I want to go if I want to make eighty-four dollars, knock on a hundred
0: doors. Which is a lot of money. And what was that? 1956 well, or something? Yeah,
1: 1932, <laughs> in fact. Yes. Yes. A a few years before you, Marissa, no doubt. A
0: few years before I was born.
1: So that's what started making me think that if if we as salespeople focus on just the activities, I call them highest payoff activities. We focus on those highest payoff activities and just focus on that, then we're going to produce results really no matter how good or bad of a real salesperson we are. So one of the things I decided after doing this for a few months thinking, how can i make more money well i can knock on more doors i'd make more money but i want to make more money per door i knock on without basically any more effort basically working smarter not harder Mm -hmm. and so i knew that when somebody did open the door that i knew that i needed to be able to greet them and ask them questions that i could learn more about their lifestyle to be able to provide them a solution to television and as a result of that my sales my sales predictive index the 34 cents per door started climbing 86 cents 87 89 90 i was up to 96 cents a door by time i left that job it was so much fun to be able to do that and that's what i do with my teams today as a as an outsourced sales manager manager i want to watch over the activities they do i want to track the activities just like me knocking on that door I wanna track it, then I wanna measure it. And what I really wanna find is, what is the one key activity? If we do not do this particular activity, key performance indicator, right? If we do not do this, or if we don't do it well, then our predictive sales index will either go down or it will go up, just like I did. I've got a client right now that I've been with, this month actually marks our fifth year together. And I've been managing his team, growing his people, And what we've determined is that the only thing that we have to do, we must do, is have a face-to-face meeting. We have to do that in order to get a sale. So we've been tracking this, and I'm sorry?
0: I was going to say, before you share the outcome of this, just to put this into perspective, because you do a lot of work with business-to-business, B2B right Mm -hmm. companies, Um, what... Just, just, so we understand, because you're saying, "Hey, the face-to-face meeting needed to happen." What was maybe the product, or with this particular client, was this a product that needed a lot of touch points? Was it a high-risk purchase or a very large purchase, or where did it fall? You know, in that regards.
1: That's a great question. This is a this is in the uh, telecom tech industry.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: they do have. Uh, it, it takes approximately well. It takes approximately three meetings to get one sale. Okay. So uh, it's not exactly that. That that wasn't the, the key performance indicator that we're measuring against the predictive sales index. What, what I've done over the last four years, more than four years now, is I've tracked every salesperson who's come in and worked for them, whether they're there for a month or been there for five years or six years like one guy has. I've tracked every activity they did. And we put the emphasis on tracking the face-to-face meeting.
0: face-to-face.
1: Yes. Okay. Once we've got the face-to-face meetings, what we're finding is that for every 10 face-to-face meetings, they get eight opportunities.
0: Meaning eight sales.
1: Well, eight opportunities put in the pipeline. This is a company that has to typically go back to the drawing board, go back to the office and do some research and come up with some pricing and come up with perhaps a design, like a network design, that sort of thing. So... So Whenever, do, you feel,
0: do you feel eight out of ten is pretty darn good if they're getting that face-to-face meeting?
1: Well, if you had ten meetings and you got eight opportunities out of them, wouldn't you feel pretty good about it?
0: I think that's a great ratio. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. It's it's a tremendous ratio. Um, then, so just to give you an idea. Well, let us let me stay on track here. Stay focused. Uh, <laughs> so, what we started measuring was the value of that face-to-face meeting, just like the value of me knock 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 knocking on doors. So initially we had a couple of guys who were hitting it out of the park as well as a couple of rookies and the face-to-face meeting value was upwards of about twelve thousand dollars and what that meant was twelve thousand dollars of contract value this company has has signed has companies that sign contracts with them for one two or three or more years and so when we recognize that the value the key indicator here would be the face-to-face meeting and then we put okay we have a face-to-face meeting we get eight tenths of an opportunity out of it now how many of those eight opportunities out of 10 meetings are closing well now we've got 58 percent of those closing which is still which again is a pretty high ratio and the the owners love it by the way um now how much money was earned over these last four years, based on X number of face-to-face meetings, see, like when I first started tracking my numbers, knocking on doors, when I first, well, it came out 25 cents and the next day it may have been a dollar twenty-five. Well, as I continued to knock on as every day went, went further and further, we've got more and more data, it started zeroing in on a very specific number. In this case, we have a company that's doing about $12,000 of revenue for every face-to-face meeting they have whether they close a deal or not.
0: And right away, my thought process goes to, isn't that an incredible motivational tool for a salesperson? Right? To just like you said, you knew for every door you knocked on back in 1918, Um, you made 84 cents, right? Um, I'm just going to make you older and older, um, but for every, you know, bringing a salesperson on board, maybe in mm -hmm. the hiring process, right. To be able to say, Hey, for, you know, for the last 10 years, we have found that our salesmen or women, our sales force makes an average of $12,000 in revenue for the company, for every face-to-face meeting that they can secure. Right. Right. It's a great motivational tool for sure.
1: Sure. Well, just think if you were making, let's just say, let's just say five percent. Well, let's keep the math easy. Let's say you're making 10%, 10% off that, yep. yeah, that $12,000. $12, That's $1,200 for every meeting you have.
0: Right. Now, now if you are, if the, if someone is following with our talk today and they are saying, okay, I'm using my CRM, but I'm only using it to track my sales after they've happened." Now, the takeaway today needs to be like, okay, I'm going to go into my CRM. I'm going to rethink the way I'm using my CRM and not just have it be data storage or tracking sales after they happen. The CRM needs to, and I'll pop this up again, it needs to be not only your customer relationship management tool, but that tool then translates into becoming a sales tool where you're not only tracking your touches with a pers- prospect, but you mm-hmm. are tracking their interests. You're tracking the kind of leader they are. You're tracking their birthday, if it's a customer, the anniversary of when they first purchased for from you. Mm-hmm. So that on that anniversary every year, you can say, hey, thanks for being my top customer. Mm-hmm. You're using it as a sales tool. You're using it as a sales management tool, which Patrick shared with us is all about Potentially using the metrics to then track your sales force and your team and be able to find holes in your team that could potentially benefit from further training or taking a look at their sales process and what they're missing. And now through this very specific tool, which is a sales forecasting tool, but it's really something that Patrick has coined himself, this predictive sales index, Mm -hmm. you are able Patrick, and this is what you ultimately help your clients do. You help them almost monetize certain actions and mm-hmm. you figure out that number one action that when monetized allows companies to really predict, hey, every time we do this, it leads to this amount of revenue or this amount of money or right. a salesperson, this amount of, you know, income or commission. Uh,
1: that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So as an example, let's say we have five salespeople and we know that next month each of them are going to get 20 face-to-face meetings. Mm-hmm. So that's a hundred face-to-face meetings. And again, let's just, let's just say that we have a $12,000 sales predictive index. Well, that's $1.2 million of revenue. Now it may not come in for three months. It just depends on your, on your product and, and how, how it's sold and how the money's collected for it. But you can start then predicting where your sales are going to be down to a very close percentage, as opposed to just looking at your, 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 your pipeline of opportunities and saying, well, we close 30% per month of these opportunities. And then what happens if you have a really big deal in there that doesn't go? Well, wow, you could be off by 100000 or more, maybe two or $300,000 without that sales predictive index in place.
0: Incredible. So not only are you now helping change the trend of you know mm-hmm. small to medium-sized businesses not using their CRM at all or using it only to track um, sales, Mm -hmm. you're changing that trend. So these businesses are using a CRM and they're using all the different features of a CRM from the contact storage to the calendar, to the tasks, to the segmentation of their customers and prospects into different categories and Mm -hmm. noting all the touch points and information to then also using the metrics that are available to get a better picture of the holes in your team and, and where teams can use more training. And then all of that helps you help companies understand really what their key, you know, their key um, sales process is mm-hmm. and the monetary value that that holds to then truly give them a very accurate predictive sales index. Yes. Did I just exactly. sum it up? Bam. Well, listen, we are running out of time. I've learned so much today. I, we haven't had a ton of comments from the audience or questions, which could potentially be a good thing today because you've been very clear on, on really how the CRM can be used beyond just tracking your sales when they happen. So I thank thank you you for all of your incredible insights today.
1: Well, I thank you for, for your incredible leadership.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. You're a very good hostess. What's that?
1: You're a very good hostess.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I use my CRM to track all of my guests' um, <laughs> data and all of my touch points with our guests. <laughs> Just kidding, but I probably could. Good. Listen, I want to share with our audience how they can connect with you after the show. So it would be, would LinkedIn sure. be a great place for guests to connect with you after the show?
1: Yes, LinkedIn is fine.
0: Okay. And then if our audience wants to learn more about maximizing their CRM and developing their own predictive sales index and proven sales systems and processes, you can also visit Patrick's website, which Mm -hmm. is EurekaPerformance.com. Awesome. Well, listen, it's time for me to share our engaged Digital Marketing News of the Week. So Patrick, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And we really appreciate you sharing all your insights on how to ultimately ultimately use the CRM to drive more sales and more revenue, right? That's what everybody wants.
1: Yes, that's right. Well, Marissa, it's been a pleasure.
0: Oh, pleasure's been all mine. Thank you so much, Patrick.
1: All right, nice adios. Adios. Oh, thank you.
0: All right, guys. It is now time for our Digital Marketing News of the Week. Now, today's Digital Marketing News of the Week brings us a very interesting new development in the world of spammers. And I think you'll all really appreciate this exciting new twist in the world of LinkedIn and inbox messages. So LinkedIn introduces this week a new weekly invitation limit to crack down on spammers. In some very welcome news for those of us who are often targeted by LinkedIn scammers and spammers, there's a new rule that finally is going to eliminate the annoying spammy emails on the LinkedIn platform. So individuals will soon only be able to send out about 100 emails or invites a week. And that is a way that LinkedIn is now trying to crack down and limit the scammers, and the spammers out there. So I think we can all say amen to that because obviously in the world of digital marketing and the new digital marketing era, spammers and scammers always find a way to adapt and pivot just like we all do as well. So amen to that. We can all thank LinkedIn for that. Now listen, if you're just tuning in or you missed the show and have colleagues that would benefit from Patrick's incredible insights on how to use the CRM as a sales tool, a sales management tool, and a sales forecasting tool, make sure you visit our LinkedIn page for Engage, and that is going to be right here for you to find. You'll be able to find a schedule of all of our upcoming shows on our LinkedIn page, and that is also where you'll be able to find the replays of our past shows as well and share them with your colleagues. So check us out. Give us a follow on LinkedIn and also be sure at the end of the show to check out engage.com. That is where you'll be able to find the Engage platform, which has 25 plus free forever tools. There are no locks, no upgrades, no limits on contacts, on Your messaging or your accounts, there's no locks, no upgrades, and all of the tools are there to optimize your customer experience. And that tool, all of those tools, include a CRM, which is what we talked about today. Our CRM is completely free, you can segment your contacts, you can have a calendar, you can input all of the information that Patrick shared that you should input into your CRM. And there's over a hundred different metrics as well. So take advantage of engage.com. It's completely free to subscribe and you can start using that within your organization. Do you have topic suggestions you'd like us to ask the experts or would you like more information about engage? Feel free to reach out to myself, Marissa Morgan. You can find me on LinkedIn, or you can email me at marissa.m at engage.com. I have one comment I want to get to before we wrap up. Oh, Clyde, Clyde just joined us and he said, let's see, I'm so sorry I got the time wrong for today's show and I had planned something else, but he did just join in and says, Thank you so much for your time and wisdom, Patrick. He said, I will adjust my CRM approach. Can Zoom teams replace the face-to-face meeting in your opinion? You know what, Clyde? I'm actually going to bring Patrick back on really quickly to answer that question. So Patrick, we had a guest chime in Mm -hmm. and right after I said goodbye to you and he wanted to know, do you think Zoom and Teams can replace the face-to-face meeting in today's digital era?
1: Well, a little over a year ago, we were pretty much so forced to do that. Right. Right. Marissa.
0: Right. I mean, we're you and I are kind of doing that now. Right.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, we're probably 1700 miles apart, so it's probably more convenient that way. But uh, so what was this gentleman's name?
0: His name is Clyde.
1: Clyde. Okay, Clyde. Well, first of all, thanks for the thanks for the question. Um, Zoom and Teams and some of the other platforms that are being used out there are replacing, for the most part, the face to face meetings. However, I mentioned this particular client of mine that was averaging 12,000 or so dollars prior to the pandemic. Well, this last year, they're, they're down. Um, face-to-face meetings for... So Clyde, we are actually still calling the Zoom meeting a face-to-face meeting because technically it is. But the effectiveness of those Zoom meetings are less. We're getting around $8,000 per meeting since the pandemic hit. We're seeing that start to climb. Um, I think as people are getting more used to having uh, the Zoom meetings, instead of a belly-to-belly sitting down in the conference room type of meeting. Um, However, I believe that the face-to-face meetings, the personal face-to-face meetings are much more effective. Uh, We're learning and we're adapting or adjusting or pivoting, as people like to call it, to do the face-to-face meetings on Zoom. Um, We are being successful and we have adjusted to that. Uh, so we're anticipating, in fact, our goal this year for this particular team is to get their predictive sales end up back up to $10,000 um, per face-to-face meeting from the 12,000 from before. Um, however, the owner, as myself, and of course the team are really eager to get back out in the field and knocking on doors and starting to actually have the face-to-face meetings across the table from uh, prospective clients. So great answer, answer right? to my question, it's good but not not
0: the same. It's almost like if you can pivot and get that Zoom meeting, that is better than just emailing. I know that I have a Zoom call with every guest before they come on our show. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to create a relationship and learn about your potential customer, your prospect, learn more about what they do in their spare time. Like we talked about, make it more personal Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just emailing the details of a sale and making it so transactional. So I would say I agree with you, Patrick, if I could weigh in on this